You know, when we come to a day like this, I uh, just want to mention that we understand that Father's Day, just like Mother's Day, brings all kinds of emotions out of us. And so maybe today you're sitting here and, you know, you recently lost a dad. Or maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your dad. Or maybe you're sitting here and you kind of long to be a dad and just hasn't worked out yet. Or you have a scenario that's different than one of those. Just want you to know that God sees you today wherever you are at. And God is with you and loves you. And he is a great dad to every single one of us. However, we do want to recognize dads today because dads are really important. So happy Father's Day to, to all the dads that are out there. I remember when uh, Tara first told me about our first child, Ellie, who just graduated from high school, uh, by the way. Uh, it's amazing how our kids continue to get older in life, but we don't. But uh, I remember when Ellie was, uh, when, when Tara was pregnant with Ellie, she told me it had been a long day. I had been at work, and I was going to, to class that night. I was in graduate school at the time. And so Tara had taken a test and waited all day to tell me. Uh, and, and I wasn't coming home, though. I was going to school. And so on that drive in between, she calls me. And this is why I don't drive, you know, with my uh, cell phone anymore in my hand. But I literally almost drove off the road. I was so surprised. We were so surprised that she was pregnant because we were not trying. Well, we were practicing trying, but we were not trying to get pregnant. It was neat. I enjoyed the practice, but we, we were not trying at that moment to get pregnant. And so we were just so surprised. Parenting is one of those things that you can never, ever really prepare for. You just can't. Until you are a parent, you just can't be ready for it, no matter how hard you try. They don't teach you a lot of things. I remember when I was when we were leaving the hospital with Ellie, I was just so shocked that nobody was coming with us. Like none of the staff, they were just going to let us go into the car by ourselves. I thought that was crazy. And then you kind of figure it out and and then you have another one and it's it's totally different. We had a boy next, a couple boys. And I thought, you know, I'm like an expert now. I I changed my very first diapers with Ellie. I knew what I was doing. No one ever told me how quickly you need to get the diaper on the boys. <laughs> See, I learned that the hard way, through experience. So it is hard to be a dad. And so I do want to say happy Father's Day, because it's really hard to be a good dad. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not an easy job. By the way, the same goes for being a good mom. It is not easy to be a good mom or to be a good dad. It's a tough job. You know, there's a lot to worry about today in our world, a lot of things that people are worrying about, but what I worry about almost more than anything else is the extinction of men who know how to tenderly and bravely lead their families. And, and that's, that's what worries me more than anything. Steve Farrar, in one of his books, The Point Man, says, leading a family through the chaos of the American culture is like leading a small patrol through enemy-occupied territory. It takes looking out ahead, scouting down the trail, looking for potential hazards and dangers for the family. It takes leading from the front. There is something so incredibly powerful about men being in the picture for their families. And there is also something equally damaging and hurtful when men are not. Now, if you're sitting here today and you happen to be a single mom, I want you to know that God is with you. 
and that you are a part of a church family that, would, that loves to come alongside you. And we have great men in our church who will come alongside and support you. And you are doing a great job. But I want to talk to the dads today about how critical and vital they really are. Because we live in a culture here in America where men are trivialized more and more all the time. And where masculinity is put down and is the punchline of every joke on network, uh, cable, uh, news, or television. Maybe you know these statistics, but these are incredibly powerful. In fact, they're staggering. So I want you to, to understand these and listen to these and try to digest these. According to the U.S. Department of, of, uh, of Justice, I'm just going to give you three stats. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, seven out of every ten youth that are in a state-operated correctional facility including detention and residential treatment, come from a home without a dad. Seven out of ten. You line up a hundred kiddos today that are struggling with the law, 70 of them don't have a dad in their home. Second, living in a fatherless home is a contributing factor to substance abuse, with children from such homes accounting for 75% of adolescent patients being treated in substance abuse centers across the United States. 75% young people are struggling with substance abuse. You line up 100 of them, 75 don't have a dad in their life. And the third one is this, 90%, 90% of the youth in the United States today who are homeless for any reason grew up in a home without a dad. Now if that's your story and you grew up without a dad, you probably are a picture of God's grace, how he can step in and come through and change the course of your life. And that's what God does. He's powerful. But we can't deny the staggering, those statistics that are so staggering that show the importance of men in their homes, of dads, of fathers. I know how much you dads love your kids. God designed our world to function only when it has strong and stable men in it. And dads, that's what your families need from you. Strength and stability. But I know that you love your kids. You would die for your family. I know that. There are so many soldiers who valiantly go off to war all the time to, and are willing to give their lives for their families. And in most wars, that is what is required. But this war is different. We don't just need dads who are willing to die for their families, but Jesus is looking for men who will live for their families. Jesus is looking for men today who will live for their families. And on this Dad Fest 2021, that is what he is asking of you. And so dads, that's what I'm asking you today. Are you willing to live for your family? Just like you, I felt so unprepared to be a dad. I wasn't completely sure how. I wanted to be a good dad, but I don't know that I totally knew how to be a good dad. I'm so glad the Bible gives us instructions to follow. And today we're going to look at the life of a man who lived out two specific character traits that I think you and I can all live out with God's help as dads. Two specific character traits that we're going to see in the life of a man whose name was Joseph. Turn to the Bible, to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at a Christmas story today. 
I love Christmas in the summertime. We're going to look at Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Because when God was spanning the globe, and he was even spanning the ages of history, he settled on one man named Joseph, who was going to be the earthly father for his son, Jesus, while he was here on earth. He chose a very simple man, and I'm so glad that he did. Joseph was just a normal guy. And I think the reason he chose him is because you and I can relate to normal. You and I can relate to simple. And that's who Joseph was. However, he had a couple traits that we can apply to our lives. And our world today, our society, and our families are desperate for men who have these two same traits that we're going to look at today from Joseph's life. If you want to, would you mind standing together? We're going to actually read together Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 to 25. We do this here at our church to remind ourselves every single week that this book right here is where we get our authority. It's where we get our truth and nowhere else. And that's where we read it together and we stand when we do. So Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. You can read along with me. Here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks, you can have a seat. Now we need to understand the context of the life of Joseph to really understand this passage. To understand why God may have chosen him to be the father of Jesus. Joseph's father was a man named Jacob, and if you read the earlier parts of Matthew, you'll see that they were in the line of King David. About a thousand years before Joseph and his father Jacob were on the scene, King David was the greatest king that Israel had ever had. And Joseph comes from that line. So because of Joseph's relationship as the earthly father of Jesus, Jesus was a legal descendant to the throne of Israel. That's critical because that had been prophesied about or predicted in the Old Testament. And Jesus had to fulfill that. So God chooses Joseph, but not only because he's from that line. I also want you to know that Joseph was a common man. He was a normal guy. He was not a professional man. He was someone that, he was a carpenter. He was a laborer. We know that because later in the Gospels, there are people who say about Jesus, well, he can't be the Messiah. They say, isn't he just the carpenter's son? And they kind of mean it as a, as a dig on him because he wasn't from somewhere prestigious. He was from a regular family. 
We also uh, know that Joseph and Mary, we don't know a ton about their youth, but we know that they grew up together in the village of Nazareth. And they had been engaged to be married. They probably had been arranged by their parents. Now, Joseph and Mary, they may have had something to say about their relationship. They probably knew each other. It wasn't a very large village, just literally hundreds of people. And so they knew each other, and they had been had been arranged for them to be married. And what the procedure was, was their parents would agree, and then they would be engaged for a one-year period of time. And the reason that they did that is they don't have tests like we have today. And during that one year, they were basically testing to make sure that the the bride had kept her virginity and that she was not going to uh, give, uh, have a baby during that one year. And after that year was up, then the contract would be fulfilled and Joseph and Mary would have been married. So you can see then how the details of the story kind of get a little complicated when you understand that about the marriage. We don't see Joseph at the cross, we see Mary there. In fact, we really don't see anything else about Joseph because the Gospels aren't about Joseph. They're not about Mary. They're not about his brothers, Jesus' brothers and sisters. It's about Jesus. So we don't really know a lot about Joseph. But what we do know from these verses here, these brief passages here in the beginning of the Gospels, gives us enough of a glimpse to see why God may have chosen him. So we look at verse 19 today. We see an important clue about Joseph. Verse 19. The version that we're reading today says that Joseph was faithful to the law. You can underline that if you'd like to remember that about him. He was faithful to the law. Other versions will, will interpret it this way. They will say that he was a righteous man or that he was a just man. Maybe that's what your Bible says. The original Greek word there can uh, be used to describe God as someone who is completely righteous or perfect. But when it's used to describe a person like Joseph, what it basically means is he was a guy who did the right thing. He was a guy who tried to do what was right. He was a good man. Joseph was a man, in other words, who had integrity. He tried to do the right things, and he took his relationship with God seriously. And that is the first trait that we need to recognize today from Joseph's life that our world needs in their dads. Jesus is looking for men who will live for their families with integrity. Jesus is looking for men who will live for their families with integrity. You see, Joseph's character was going to be tested over and over and over again throughout his life. Just like our integrity as dads is tested every single day. I remember when our kids were little, we have three teenagers now and we have a seven-year-old, but when our three teenagers were all younger, one night we were here at the church and, and uh, we had this program here at our church called Through the Roof. Where we partner up kiddos with special needs with buddies, adults and teens from our church who, who take them to Kid City and, and, and minister to them and with them so that their parents can be in our service. Well, occasionally on a Friday night, we would do this thing where we would bring all those kiddos to the church. We'd bring all the volunteers as well. We'd have a special night planned just for them. And then Tara and I would take their siblings uh, and we would go do something fun with them. Go bowling, go see a movie, go do something fun so that they know that they're special, they're important as well. So this one particular night, we dropped our three kids off at the church. They were here with the other family or the other kids that were staying here and the volunteers. And, uh, and we took the, kid, the siblings out. We did something with them. We come back to the church. We're cleaning up. 
And I realized that, that I'm the last one left here in the building with, with my three kids. Tara had gone home. Everyone else had left and gone home. Well, we had taken, because we had to drive all the siblings, we had taken our three car seats out of our van. Now, our kids were old enough that they could sit up safely, but we had no booster seats. And here in Indiana, you sit in a booster until you're like 18 or something. <laughs> and so we didn't have any of those. And so I kind of had this ethical dilemma. I didn't know what to do. And, and I'm kind of like, well, we literally lived right down the road, a mile and a half, downtown Goshen on 3rd Street, not far at all. It took me two minutes. I'm like, I'm going to strap them in really tight. We'll be fine. We'll get home. It'll be no problem. And it was, by the way. It was no problem. However, as we're pulling out of the driveway of the church, my six-year-old, Allie, who's my oldest at the time, she's six, she says, Dad, what you are doing right now is highly illegal. <laughs> Our kids never have any problem pointing out when we're doing something wrong. Could you imagine Joseph raising Jesus? Could you imagine the intimidation from raising God's son in your house? The accountability that would come. It took someone with some integrity. And God is still today looking for men, for dads, who will live for their families with integrity. I imagine that Joseph was in incredible turmoil during this time when Mary was pregnant. He had known her his whole life. And he knew that she was a godly woman. I mean, no doubt she was. That's why God had chosen her as well. This didn't seem like her. Why would she do this to him? It was a public embarrassment, not only to him, to his family, to her family, that she was all of a sudden pregnant. Only Joseph really knew the truth, that he had not been with her. I'm sure that his buddies snickered. I'm sure that his, you know, the other men in town, the other moms in town kind of looked sideways at him, kind of wondering what had happened. He knew the truth. He was a person of integrity. But he was here and he was in turmoil. And the scriptures when we read today, it says that he was considering what to do. That shows to me that Joseph was a guy with some character. He didn't just make an emotional response. He didn't just react in the moment and kind of just take off out of anger. He was considering, he was thinking, he was searching for, from God, maybe from mentors or for somebody, what to do. What was the right thing to do in this situation? He wanted to do the right thing. Man, we cannot teach our kids what we don't know ourselves. If we want our kids to be honest, we need to show them what honesty looks like. If we want our kids to be compassionate, then we need to show them what compassionate, being compassionate looks like. We teach with our lives more than we'll ever teach with our words. We can't tell our kids to do one thing, live differently, and don't think that they won't get that message the way we live clearer than the one that they hear from our mouths. We must live with integrity. So, we must do our best to be people who do the right thing. And here's how you become a person like that. Maybe you're sitting here today like me and you're saying, man, I'm trying, but I just don't know that I always have integrity, that I'm always going to do the right thing. Here's where God's grace covers you, but here's what you can do. Integrity only comes through pursuing our relationship with God. If you want to be a person who does the right thing, you, man, need to pursue your relationship with God. When I was a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, there was a town just a, a few miles over. It was a small town, and they developed a huge problem. They had sinkholes right down Main Street. 
right down Main Street. You often hear about sinkholes being in, in a state of like Florida, but, but you often don't hear about it in other places. But scientists tell us that sinkholes develop uh, when uh, underground streams drain, drain away during seasons of drought, and it causes the ground at the surface to lose its underlying support. It can swallow up sidewalks, sinkholes can swallow up uh, uh, cars, and even buildings. You and I have probably seen that before on the news. Suddenly, everything caves in in a sinkhole because there is no integrity underneath to hold it up. And the same is true for human dads as well. We spend the majority of our time, the majority of our energy establishing, listen, life on the visible surface. We establishing our, our lives and accumulating a host of good and even great assets. Things like work skills, work experiences, academic degrees, uh, key relationships, or, or even physical strength or beauty. And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But if we neglect to develop our inner character, we will not be able to stand up to the pressures that we will face in life. We won't be able to stand up to the pressures that will come, the weights of the events that will push upon us. Our inner lives, our character, must develop in tandem with our exterior life. Or somewhere along the way, our character won't be able to live up to our calling. We need men whose character can live up to the calling that God has put on their life. Otherwise, everything will crash down like a sinkhole. But in Deuteronomy, which I want us to turn to, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses gives some instructions to parents. And I want us to look there today. Keep your finger in Matthew because we'll get back there. We're going to flip back between these two, two passages. Because this is the training that Joseph would have received. Joseph would have heard this Deuteronomy passage over and over in his life. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses gave, gives parents some foundational instruction for raising their kids. This was the instruction that Joseph had. This is how he modeled his life. Listen to verse 4. I'll read for us. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. He gives them some simple instructions and he tells them to write them on the door frames of their house. I'm going to have my sons and a couple of helpers carry out some door frames and put them out here on the stage here for us. A couple of principles that are foundational as we raise our kids. That's what Moses gives to these Israelites. And what he says to them that day is this. His instructions don't say anything about their sleeping schedule. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Good job. I'll pause because you're watching this as much as I am. Wait, watch what's going to go underneath. Yeah, we got it. Back up against. Thanks, boys. Put that there. Yep. And get the stop sign on here. Where's the hammer? 
Ya, kita nol. Moses' instructions don't say anything about sleeping schedules, about how to, to nap your kids. Moses, uh, his instructions don't say anything about where to send them to school, about what scholarship... Wait a minute. Yeah, go for it, guys. He doesn't say anything about, uh, about where to send them to school, about what scholarships to have them apply for, about when to, to teach them how to drive or how to, how to do those things. And those are all things that we have to figure out as parents. We need to have those... That's all I need. You're good. That's fine. Thanks. You're good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your help. What he says to them, here's number one. Here's what you need more than anything else. He says to love the Lord your God. He doesn't even say teach them how to love God. What he says to dads is you and to moms, you love God. See, the best thing that a parent can do for their child is to develop their own relationship with God. Listen to me, dads and moms, listen, you can do all kinds of great things. You can teach your kids stuff. You can teach them all kinds of great skills for life that will prepare them to become adults. But the best thing that you can do for your kids is for you to pursue your relationship with God daily. To pursue your relationship with God daily. That's how you live with integrity. You want to develop integrity in your life? You sit with God, Dale. You sit and you make time with him. And God will begin to develop integrity inside of you. It will come out of you because of the person that you're spending so much time with. You gain integrity. You gain that inner strength by pursuing your own relationship with God daily. Jesus is looking for men who will live for their families with integrity by pursuing God daily. That's what he's looking for. These are the things that we build our houses on, that we build the doorposts of our houses with. As we read, though, as we look back at this account in the life of Joseph, there's a second mark that stands out. Not only was he someone who had integrity, but when you pick it up in verse 20, back in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to see something else about Joseph that's so critical to dads today. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he took Mary home as his wife. Not only did Joseph have integrity, but he also had what I'm going to call today 
staying power. Joseph had staying power. Think of the situation again he finds himself in. His fiance was pregnant. Besides her, only he knows the truth, that he's a man still of integrity. It had to be so tempting for him to walk away. It had to be so appealing to him to say, I'll just try again with another person, with another family. But he didn't. He stayed committed. He stayed there. Listen, guys, our world today, more than ever, needs men who will stay. Men who will stay. Joseph was someone who had integrity, but he was someone who had staying power. When the bullets start flying in your life, when life hits the fan, when you've been there for a long time and maybe things get a little slow or boring, will you run? There will be crises in your lives, but it's how you and I respond to those crises over the course of our lives that determines whether or not we succeed at life. Because what our families need aren't just men who will die for them, but men who will live for them. Jesus is looking for men who will live for their families with integrity and with staying power. That's what he's looking for. That's what staying power looks like. When your marriage starts to look different than what you had imagined, when the bills start to pile up and you feel overwhelmed, when there is frustration at your job and you feel like leaving it, when the kids aren't turning out exactly like you had dreamed, when things from you that you thought were critical are taken away, when you lose stuff that you thought you needed to live, what will happen to you on the inside where you live with yourself? Will you persevere? Will you stay? Listen, masculinity does not come from what you own. It doesn't come from the size of your house. It doesn't come from the amount of your investments. It doesn't come in how you perform. It doesn't come in what vehicle you drive. It doesn't come in the people that you know. Your masculinity doesn't come in your status in the community. You don't need to be flashy, men. You don't need to give stirring speeches, men. You don't need to stay, save the whole planet, but you do need to stay. That's what you need to do. You need to stay. Our world is desperate for men who will stay. Most men in our world win, listen, because they stick with something longer than when everyone else along the way has already quit. Most of the winners in our world today are winning because they simply are sticking with it. They have staying power. It's not that they're faster, stronger, or smarter. They simply outlast others who have already quit. That's it. And our world is desperate for dads who will stay. For dads who will be there when their families are looking for someone for direction. When our families are looking for someone to say, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. We're going to be okay. They need you to be there in the picture. Simply put, dads, you can't lead your family if you're not there. You can't lead your family if you're not around. You must be present to impact your family. You must be present. And that starts with being physically present. You need to simply be around them. You need to make sure that you give time to your family. 
But it's not just that. It also means being emotionally present as well. There's a group of dads that are tempted and bail all together. But there's also a group of dads who are physically there all the time, but are not emotionally present. God needs you to be both. You can do it. I said earlier that the way to integrity is pursuing your relationship with God. Well, the way to become a man of staying power is to engage your family daily. Just like you gain integrity from pursuing God daily, you gain staying power by pursuing your family daily. That's how you do it, dads. You're engaged emotionally with them. Listen, working all day, coming home and watching television with a beer in your hand is not going to cut it if you want to be a great dad. You might be like every other dad you know, but you can't be a great dad that way. And God isn't looking for you to be like every other dad. God is looking for you to be a great dad. He believes in you and you can do it. And you will become a great dad if you can have integrity and if you can have staying power. If you are someone who is there, you're someone who can be counted on. You must engage your family. You must be there for them emotionally. You must talk with them and ask them questions and answer questions when they ask you about yourself or about your family or about your past. You must engage them emotionally. I know that sounds intimidating. I know that that's not maybe the way that you and I are naturally wired. But we have supernatural help to overcome where we're not naturally wired. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 to see what does Moses give the instructions to the Israelites. I, I love that he gives them these simple instructions because again, we are simple, we are normal, and we can do this. He says, these, he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. He says, impress them on your children. How do you do that? He says, talk about them when you sit at home. When you sit at home, when you're at a mealtime, you bring God into the conversation with your family. He says, when you walk along the road, well, we walk sometimes today, but most of the times we drive. So when you're driving with your family, you bring God into the conversation. He says, when you uh, lie down and when you get up. And so at those key times in your daily schedule. I, I, I love that he does this because, again, if it's complicated, then I can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. But we can figure this out. In the morning, at bedtime, at mealtime, and during our drive times, we have natural rhythm built into our lives where we can ask our kids and our family questions, where we can dialogue, where we can prepare ourselves to say, I'm going to be engaged with them and we're going to emotionally invest in them and I'm going to ask them questions. And that's all it looks like. Last night, my daughter, I was listening, I was, uh, we were sitting out on the uh, back deck with our seven-year-old, Tara and I, and she asked my wife, why did God make bees? Right? It's <laughs> a great question. Or, or she said, why are there bees? That's what she said. Why are there bees? And Tara simply answered, you know, that, uh, that they help pollinate flowers and they, they have purpose. And isn't it cool how God made everything to work together to make our world function? That was so simple. And that's how we bring God in a simple way into our kids' lives, these simple conversations. 
I was talking with a friend this week who had to correct and kind of redirect his son at bedtime and was able to bring God into that conversation in a real simple way while he's putting his son to bed. It's not, it's not rocket science, but we have to be there for those moments. We have to have staying power. And in those moments when we're there, because we're there, we can then engage our kids. Talk about things at nighttime when they're going to bed. Talk about things in the morning if we're there when they're getting up. Talk about things in their drive time. My, my son got his license this week, so we had out two drivers, two out of four are driving. And we're grateful for that, right? We have a little bit more, more of our time left. It means that he's growing up, and that's the plan for our kids to grow up. And so that's a good thing. But it also means that we're going to miss some of that conversation time. As your kids get into middle school and high school, the only time I really ever see them is when I'm driving them somewhere. And so I hate to give that up because that's my time to talk and to ask questions and to see how practice is going, to see how friendships are doing, to see how other relationships are going. That's our time to talk is when we drive, when we get up, when we lie down, when we have meals together. Joseph was able to do those things as he raised Jesus, I assume, because he knew that passage. It had been drilled into Joseph as a Jewish man. They read that Deuteronomy 6 passage throughout their uh, rhythm of their year. It was very normal to him. And so he was able to be there with staying power to engage his family daily. We need to be the same way. So how do we become a father like Joseph? We pursue your relationship with God. You spend time with God's word daily. And then you be there in the picture with your kids emotionally. You talk about life and God with your kids daily, maybe at meals, on drives, at morning, and at night. And change might not come overnight. You might not see huge development uh, in a short amount of time. But listen, dads, this is why you need staying power to engage your kids daily. Because it might not happen right away. But they can count on you, even when they make mistakes, that you're not going to overreact that you're not going to freak out, that you're going to tell your face to look okay, even if on the inside you're not okay. But you're going to tell your face to be okay because your kids need to know that they can, they can mess up, that it's okay, that you are going to be there for them, that you have staying power, that even when they make mistakes, even when things aren't great, you're there. You can be depended on. You have staying power. That's what our families need more than anything else. We need to discipline ourselves to allow Jesus to, to change us. He is looking for men who will live for their families with integrity and staying power. Listen, don't quit. Don't quit before the breakthrough, breakthrough comes in your life. Don't quit before the breakthrough comes in your family. Don't quit. Don't walk away before the change comes that you've been looking for. You stay with it. When marriage isn't fun, you stay with it. When parenting is over your head, you stay with it. You can be depended on. When the local community gets divided, you stick in it. You don't walk away. You don't take a side. You stay in there and you bring peace. When the church family is struggling, you don't bail. You stay with it. When your kids let you down, you stay with them. When your spouse is in a funk, you stay with it. When it's 4th and 21 and there's no time left on the clock, you don't quit. You don't give up. You stay with it. You never quit. You always stay. You always pursue. And you always engage. That's what leadership looks like. Leadership is leading from the front. And it's being the one who takes the initiative to, to love tenderly, to be counted on, to stay there. You never quit. You stay. You pursue. You engage.
But listen, it's like our series that we're going through this summer, Surviving to Thriving. These aren't changes that we can just sort of make happen on our own. I can't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to start living with integrity, with character. I'm going to start persevering and staying. This is something you and I can only do through the power of God, through Him transforming us. And so today, if you are sitting here at Dad Fest, or you're watching online, and you have never began or begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the first thing that I want to talk about today as I begin to wrap up. I want to talk about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 3.16, it says that Jesus, or God, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He did the hard work. He loved, and so he gave. I love that God loves us with action as well. He doesn't just stay, say it, but he pursues us. He loved you. He loves us in the world so much that he gave his son. He loved, so he gave. And then the rest of the verse says, and if we believe, then we receive eternal life. And so the way to begin a relationship with God, to say, I need help becoming that kind of person you're talking about today, is to simply turn your life over to Jesus Christ, to follow him, to let him be your leader so that you can lead others. You could do that today. You could give him your life right now. Or maybe you're sitting there today and, and you have trusted him before, but you've gotten way off track. Your life is not where you wanted it to be. You can come back to Jesus today. He will meet you where you're at. He will forgive you. He will give you a fresh start, an opportunity at repentance and turning back to him. And so I would love it if everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes. And I would love it if you would consider, are you right with God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Do you know for sure that, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And are you ready for the end? If you don't, you can turn to Him now by simply praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, I turn to you now. Would you please forgive me for all the sin that's in my life? God, would you move and stir in me? Would you wake me up to becoming the person that you want me to be? Lord, would you give me life so that I can live for my family? If you're sitting today and, and you prayed that prayer, it, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not the prayer, but the prayer is how we express what's in our heart. And maybe you're not a dad, maybe you're just sitting there and, and you're a mom or you're a kid or you're a, a man or a woman and you want to pray, you can pray that prayer as well. You can give your life to Jesus. And so if you pray that prayer, uh, you could uh, have eternal life right now. Jesus, I pray for all those that are here in the crowd tonight or in this morning that are praying, Lord, that you would meet them, that you would help them, Lord, to know what, it, what it's like to live for you. God, that you would turn... Uh, their hearts to you and give them eternal life as you say that you will. If you prayed that prayer today, guys, you can have eternal life. We would love to know that you prayed that prayer. And if you text the word live to the number that's on the screen in a moment, you can, we want to connect with you and give you some information so that you can know uh, we can help you to take steps to walk with Jesus. 
DadFest 2021 could be a new start for you, where you give and began a relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time. That can be what happens. But I also want to talk again to the men here. I want to talk to, to the men, to the dads. Because our families are desperate, guys. They need you to be these kind of men who have integrity and who have staying power. Maybe you feel like today, as you're sitting here and you're listening to me talk, you say, John, I failed so many times in big ways or small ways at being that kind of man. Listen, God's grace can cover that up. He can help you to change. He's the only one who can help you to change, to become the kind of man that he's calling you to be. He can do that. I get it, because I know that I have failed at times as well. But it doesn't mean that God can't turn things around. Don't sell God's power short. Don't sell God's power short, what he can do in your life starting today. It's never too late. I don't care if you're a granddad, a grandpa, I don't, you know, you're 70, 80, 90, 100. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to do the right thing. Never, never, never. This Dad Fest 2021 could be a stepping stone to a new season of life for you. Or maybe you've been trying to live this way. Dad Fest could be a chance for you to say, I'm going to continue to live that way. You know, I've watched a lot of sports, and I've played in a lot of sports games over the year, and I kind of have this theory. If I could be in the locker room of a game that I'm watching at halftime of both locker rooms, I believe I could predict most times who's going to come out and win the game in the second half. Halftime is so critical. Halftime is when you get to regroup and you pull away from the game. Halftime is when you learn the plan for what you're going to need to be successful in the second half. Halftime is where you make a plan to finish strong. And it's where you find encouragement as a team from your coach. Listen, it doesn't matter what your age is today. Today could be your halftime. Today is your halftime. You have an opportunity to come out of here and determine how you're going to finish the next half. Are you going to win or are you going to lose? Are you going to succeed or not? You can hear encouragement from your coach today. We've talked about a simple plan to, to finish strong. Or maybe you've been winning, but you can't let your foot off the gas pedal now. You don't win games in the first half. You need to rededicate yourself, recommit yourself that you are going to be someone who finishes strong, who's going to continue to be a man with integrity and with staying power. More than ever, guys, our dad, our world needs dads who can do that. And so here in a moment, you are going to chance, you're going to get a chance to come forward, to walk like a team does outside of halftime, and to tap the side as you walk through, to say, I'm going to be that kind of man. With God's help, we're going to win in the second half. With God's help, I'm going to keep being the kind of man that he's helped me to be so far, or I'm going to change and become, become a man, become, be the, become the kind of man that he wants me to be. You can be a man with integrity. God can change you today. You can become a man with staying power. It'll happen. It might not happen just today, but it happens over the course of the decisions that you're going to make 
over the future, uh, over the next future weeks, months, and years. Today is your halftime. Listen, Jesus is looking for men who will live with their families, with integrity, and with staying power. Integrity comes through pursuing your relationship with God daily. Joseph was a man who took his relationship with God seriously. You can do that too. Staying power shows up by engaging your families emotionally, being there physically, but engaging them and spending time with them, bringing God into your, the, kid, your li- the lives of your kids every single day, at meals, on drives, at morning, and at night. As you leave from halftime, this is your chance to make this commitment. Dads, would you come forward if you're ready to commit this? Would you come through? Would you tap this sign? And then go back to your families if they're here with you today and you pray over them. You pray for them today. If you've never prayed before, you make this your first prayer. If you know how to pray, you pray over them. Come right now, guys. As the band plays this song, Dads, this is a commitment you're making. as they come, encourage them. If your man's up here, encourage them.
guilty. It's meant to inspire. That's how God the Father looks at us. He gets up every day and he gives us a second chance to try. He loves you. He's proud of you. He thinks you can be a man of integrity and a man of saving power. And so God, we turn to you, Lord. We turn to you for strength to be these kind of men. God, it is hard to be a good dad. It's hard to be a good man in this world. There's so much temptation that's out there to take our eyes over what's most important. But God, I pray, Lord, that as we come out of this Dad Fest 2021, as we come out of this halftime opportunity, Lord, that we will come out with a renewed vigor, Lord, a dedication, a commitment to be the kind of man that Joseph was, a normal man who tried to do the right things and who stuck with it no matter what. Lord, when we fall down, help us to get back up. God, when we get sideways, get, get us back on the path that you have for us. Lord, I pray that we would be a church of strong men who passionately love you and tenderly our families. God, I'm grateful for all the dads who have poured into me, for my own dad, for the men of this church, Lord, who have shown me what it is to be a husband and a father. God, I pray that you would put your hand on us in a special way as we try to reach the men of our community. We believe when we reach the man, we can reach the family, we can reach the community, we can reach the world. God, would you do that? With what starts here, would you help us to reach the world come to know you, Jesus Christ. You are the answer to every problem that exists in our world. You are the hope. You are the yes to every question in our world today. Lord, may we lead people towards you in this coming year, in the rest of this year, and beyond in greater ways than we have ever had before. God, we pray for the greatest days of our church to be in front of us, Lord. We pray that you would use us to do great things for you in your name powerful name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We always try to celebrate at the end of Dad Fest, and we have uh, an opportunity for you. We have several that have been planning to get baptized today, and our elders are going to come forward, and they're here ready to baptize you if you're looking to get baptized. Maybe today is the first time that you gave your life to Jesus. This is a chance for you to get baptized and publicly show the world that. Or maybe you have accepted Christ, but you've never gone public. You've never gotten baptized. Today might be the day for you. Or maybe you're a dad here today, and you made a fresh commitment that you are going to now live for him in a way that you hadn't been for a while. Baptism is a great way to mark that commitment, to say that I am going to be one now who is living for God. Our elders are here in the pool to receive you as we spend this these final moments worshiping, come forward. If you want one of them to baptize you, they will do that. Or if you have a man or someone coming with you to baptize you, a mom or a man or someone, they will baptize you as well. Come on forward during the song. Let's see baptisms and you'll celebrate. We stand up, guys. Let's worship. Let's celebrate as baptisms happen here as we close out Dad Fest in a few moments. <laughs>